Thank you, brother. And bless your dear heart. Well, I tell you what I want to do tonight. I want to make a cake, all right? You say, what does that mean? Well, I want to take what you heard this morning, what you just heard from Nathan, what the Word of God says tonight. I want to put it in a bowl, turn on the mix master, and have it hopefully at the end all make sense and come up with a piece of, a piece of cake, all right? Now, we got some guests tonight, and you're saying you really need to know what we said this morning. So real briefly, what we did on this year of 2011, the first Sunday, we talked about the idea, the concept that God has given us this brand new year. But the truth is, we don't know how much of that we're going to see. We really don't know. We went to James chapter 4 and verse 13 through 17. And we talked about what James said. Come now you who say, of today or tomorrow, we're going to go and we're going to go to a certain city and we're going to stay a certain amount of time and we're going to get employed there and we're going to make a profit. And how the world would applaud that and say, that's the guy I want my daughter to marry. Well, I mean, this guy's got it all together. He's got initiative. He's got a plan. He's got it all coming together. That's the kind of guy. And yet there was something missing, wasn't it? And that something was God. God was not anywhere in that picture, and we welcomed you into the world of practical atheism. And a practical atheist is a person who says, I believe in God, but then turns right around and lives as if God does not exist. And I want to tell you very truthfully, one more time in case you miss it, any area of your life when you, where you pretend that God doesn't exist, whether it be your time or your calendar or your finances, any area of your life that you pretend or ignore God you are a practical atheist in that area. I know it's hard for you to hear, but it is just true. It is just true. And then James 1 says, you know, you don't really even know what tomorrow is going to bring. In fact, you don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow because your life is like a mist. It's like it's, it's here one moment and it's gone. And we, we heard what um, Job said. Job said his life was like a, a weaver's thing. It went back and forth. The, di- the days just flew by. We heard from Moses who said we're like grass and, and how we grow up in the morning and, and then just by the end of the day. That, that we're, we're dried up and gone. That a thousand years to the Lord is like a day or maybe a few hours in the watch. So he talked about how brief our time was. So that was kind of just a, a take of the first part of the message there. And then, and then we hear from Nathan tonight. And what we basically said this morning, Nathan, was that it's so important that, that whatever we're going to do for God, we do it now. Because life is short, and we don't know how many tomorrows we're going to have. And that what we do in this life, and you can go ahead, you know, you can amass the wealth, but you know what? When you, when you die, there might be a few people who go by in sun, Sunset Lawn and go, that's a really nice headstone. I, I don't know the guy, the guy who built the big black Muslim thing, you know, I did it my way. Wow, how impressive, you know, wow. I don't know the guy, okay? But if you want to make a difference, if you want to leave a legacy, if you want people to say, I remember then you've got to make your life count for God. And that's what Nathan was talking about. Here's a young man, a young woman, who've taken time out of their lives and hopefully will go back to Haiti two or three times a year making their lives count for God. And guess what? You don't have to go to Haiti to make your life count for God. If you're a mom or dad here tonight, you can make your life count for God. If you're a husband or wife, you can make your life count for God. If you have a voice to sing, you can make your life count for God. You can be faithful in the house of God serving that way and make your life count. Count for God. And I'm going to say it at the end, I might as well say it now. Only one life and will soon be passed, and only what is done for Christ is going to last. Now, I'm sure Nathan would agree with me tonight that what happened in the spring was an aha moment for him. 
It's an aha moment. We've had aha moments in Africa, Nathan, when we've gone to Nathan, uh, to, to Africa. We, we had our aha moments there. Our group of nine that went to, to Haiti uh, had aha moments as they went there. Some of you have had aha moments on Wednesday nights up here in the building or on the projects over here. You had a moment when God just spoke. You said, wow, what an incredible need. I can make a difference here for the kingdom of God. And that's what happened to David's life. David had an aha moment. Again, we heard from James, what he talked about life. We, we heard from Job, what he said about life. We heard from Moses, what he said about life. In fact, I challenge you to go home, maybe in your quiet time this week sometime, look at the, how many people talked about the swiftness and the brevity of life. Now, Nathan, if I understand right, you were in the American Idol competition, you were a runner up there. Well, you know, see, if there was an a, a idol king, king idol contest, David would have won. I mean, he would have been a runner-up. He would have won, okay? I mean, if you ask any Jew today, who's the greatest king? Hands down, no vote needed. It was David. And yet David had an aha moment. David, as a matter of fact, I'm almost convinced, we've got to have an aha moment if we're going to make a difference in him, the kingdom of God. Now, in Psalm 39, go and take your Bibles there. Look real quickly. Psalm 39, verses 4 through 6. These are powerful scriptures, folks. Again, I'm just so impressed with the Word of God, how often it talks about this brevity of life. And here's King David. He's got it all together. He has led the country through war after war, a few bumps along the way. But, but, but Israel is living in a time of peace now and prosperity because of his leadership, because he made a difference for the kingdom. And here's what that great king says at this moment of time in his life. Lord... Reveal to me the end of my life and the number of my days. Lord, reveal to me the end of my life and the number of my days. Let me know how transitory I am. He says, God, I realize that my time here is brief. And God, I, listen, listen, listen. I want to make sure I've got this down. I want to know why I am here. Yes, I know I'm the king of Israel. But God, from your perspective, which is the one that matters, I want to know why I'm here. I want to know this time, this short time. Really, God, compared to eternity, it's so short. Why have you put me on this earth? And guys, we've got to figure that out. Come on, amen? We've got to figure that out. I promise you, God has not put you here to amass wealth so you can buy an RV when you're 65. You can go to Florida when you want to. You can get sick and finally die. God has not put you on the earth for that reason or purpose. He has something so much greater than that. He's not, he's not put you on this earth so that you'll have your name on a plaque somewhere in some building and somebody will go, oh, I remember so and so. He did this. His purpose is so much larger and bigger than that. And that's what David's saying. It is not enough for me just to be the king. I want to know I was the king that you wanted me to be. I want to make a difference. Look at verse number, number five. You indeed have made my days short in length. My lifespan has nothing in your sight. Lord, compared, when I think about the vastness of eternity, my 60, 70, or 80 years is so brief. It's so, so very short. Yes, in fact, he says, every mortal man. Say, every mortal man. Now, when you see every mortal man, does that include us? It does. Every mortal man is only a vapor. And Dave, there's our saying, Salah. What do you think about that, John Phillips would say? Ponder that. Guys, I can't, you know, 
there's a sister who shall go unnamed. She's here tonight wearing a red sweater with arrow in front of it. She told me going out the door this morning that her birthday was coming up and that she was going to be 60. Thank you. Now, now listen. I'm going to have to tell Mary, listen. When you said that, here's what I thought. That's old. I am being truthful. But hang on. Here's the sad news. I turned 57 on Thursday. I turned 57 on Thursday. But when she said 60, I went, whoa, that's like so old. Isn't it crazy? Can you believe, Mary, can you believe that six decades have gone by in your life? But can you believe six decades have flown by? I mean, look at your daughter sitting over here. How incredible. I, I mean, I had three children. My youngest is in the Air Force. My youngest granddaughter is slowly becoming a teenager. I mean, it's amazing how time just goes by, how quick it is. Ponder that. Think about it. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible has no application at all in context to this, but I use it so often, is when Jesus looked at Judas. You know what he said? Whatever you're going to do, do quickly. Whatever you're going to do. Wrong context, great statement. Friend, look at me. Whatever you're going to do for God, you better do it now. Any, any impact you're going to make in your kids, hey, hey, Mr. Busy Man, any impact you're going to make in your kids, you better do it now. The job better wait. Because, man, the time is going to pass so quickly and your kids are going to be like soft clay and they are going to harden and be molded and it will be too late. Too late. Whatever you're going to do, do quickly. In 2 Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy says these words, do your best, do your earnest to come before winter. You wonder why he said that? He was going to be beheaded before spring. And guys, whatever we're going to do for God, we have got to do it now. It's got to be a priority. It's got to be a yearning in our hearts. God, it's, it doesn't matter what I achieve in the world. It doesn't matter what I achieve in status. It doesn't matter what I achieve in wealth. God, what matters is what you want me to do and the impact I can make. For this kingdom. Now here's the crazy part. I love verse 6. This is American society. Now not in Haiti. And not in Africa. But this is American society. This is what life is like in America. Certainly man walks about like a mere shadow. The shell of men. The shell of women. Indeed. Listen to this. Listen. Indeed they frantically rush around in vain. Gathering possessions without knowing who will get them. Can I read it again? Indeed, they frantically rush around in vain, gathering possessions without knowing who will get them. Is that not American society? We run around gathering possessions, and before long we die and take none of it with us? It becomes the life goal, the life passion of people to amass and to amass and to amass and to amass so they can leave it to the mass? And sometimes leave a mess to the mass? How crazy. How crazy. So, Dwayne, what's the answer? Um, I was going to use the barn story today from Luke chapter 12. It's 7 o'clock. We won't do that. But, but write that down. Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. About the guy who, who you know, had the big crop and got bigger barns. But I want to close with this. Dwayne, what's the answer to all this? What's, what's the answer? Well, take from a guy who's 57 and can't believe how old he is, how fast the years have gone by. 
who, who really can't believe that, that his baby is 22 years old. Who can't believe he's been at Dorsville for a decade. Who can't believe he's been preaching for 28 years and it seems like just yesterday. Take it from that guy. Here's what Paul said. See then that you walk wisely. See then that you walk wisely, not as fools, but as wise. Not as fools. Now, this is a great tie-in. What does Psalm 14 one say? The fool says in his heart, no God. Now, it's not, again, I hope you understand what I was trying to say this morning. For so long, the primary interpretation of that scripture to me was the person who did not believe in God. But that is not the primary context. The primary context is the person who believes in God and says, No, God, who ignores God or wants the walls got off in the area of finances or counter. That's the practical atheist. Not as fools. Not as the foolish person who says, No, God, you can't be a part of my calendar. No, God, you can't be a part of my finances. No, God, you can't be a part of my marriage. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. Making the most of the time. Because the days are evil. Making the most of the time because time is winding down. Again, to the mommies and daddies that are here tonight, your time of massive influence in your child's life is winding down. For some of you, and you husbands, some of you are so unaware of it, it's crazy. The time for your marriage and making an impact in your marriage is winding down. Redeem the times. Because these days are evil. And I can't tell you, it's not just pastors. It's not just deacons. God calls every one of us to impact His kingdom, whether it be Haiti or the projects or here in our church or to your next door neighbor. He calls us to be impactors. Impactors for this world. As your pastor, I want to encourage you tonight. Whatever you're going to do, do intentionally and do quickly. Would you bow your heads right there where you're at? Father, I thank you for the privilege of this good day you've given us. You truly are the author and the giver of life. You make us and create us and wire us and gift us. But Father, in our world, in our world, a thousand things pull at us to keep us from being what you want us to be and doing really what you have called us to do. And Lord, not only can that lead to a life of frustration, it can lead to a life of disasters. And Father, we have to be intentional about this. Father, we've got to be intentional in our marriages and intentional in our parenting, intentional in our time management. And yes, God, intentional in our lordship in making Jesus the Lord of our lives. Help us to redeem the time. Help us to make the most 
of the time and these days that we're living in. Help us to resist the urge, Father, to frantically rush around grabbing at possessions, knowing that none of it can go into eternity. Thank you for Nathan tonight, Father, his sharing. Thank you for the aha moment that he had with you. Thank you for whatever the aha moment for David was. And for the aha moments, God, that we've experienced. Use that to grab our attention. Burn it in our hearts. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.